0: defense wins the day at minnesota vikings training camp at the night practice what a show by brian flores and company let's break it down it's the locked on vikings podcast
1: you are locked on vikings your daily minnesota vikings podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Hey, 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 everybody, welcome in to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to them, whether it is a podcast listening app like Sirius XM, you can find us on YouTube if you want to watch a video version or you can find that same thing on Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota sports app. And thank you so much to my everydayers. Those of you who do listen to this show every single day, actually love you tonight. So uh, that was pretty fun. It was at the night practice for Minnesota Vikings training camp. This night practice recap is brought to you by eBay motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And it's the same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay motors and look for that green check. Stay in the game with eBay guaranteed fit. ebaymotors.com Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items. Only exclusions apply. Today, it's going to be a lot about Brian Flores and Blitzes. So, nightcap recap. uh, Or night game recap. Night practice recap. We're doing great. (laughs) The offense wasn't allowed to practice. Like, the defense just didn't let the offense practice. Um, It's, like, to the point where... And I said this on the live stream as well, which I'll I'll be live streaming after every practice that I'm on. So make sure you're uh, hanging around the Lockdown Vikings YouTube channel around the end of practice. There should be a live stream up. Uh, And then you can uh, ask questions and stuff. But it, it, it was to such an extreme that I have to start asking real questions about it. Like, okay, is it just that really hard to defend against? And there's a track record for maybe... There were games where Brian Flores with defenses made of teams that were actively tanking, right? This 2019-2020 had a couple of crazy moments against like the Ravens and stuff. Um, there have been moments for for Brian Flores, but there have also been plenty of moments where an offensive line made of this exact group of people struggled a whole bunch. I want to like there were a ton of Saxon pressures, right? There were unblocked guys flying around all over the place, whether it was Ivan Pace, Harrison Smith lived in the backfield, Jay Ward back there, um, Patrick Jones coming off unblocked. Um, what was happening to those protections becomes my big question. And there are answers to that question that are not discouraging, where you just say, hey, yeah, they kind of did what you would typically do in response to these pressures, and they're not doing any fancy protection stuff. They're sort of, they played at chalk, and these pressures beat chalk. Um, but to sort of understand that, I want to tell talk to you a little bit about like why pressures and blitzes matter so much, but um, or, and, and like how it works. But basically, the takeaway is Flores is real. I mean, Flores. what Flores was doing was very creative and targeted. So basically when you're a center or a quarterback, some teams it's the quarterback or, or some combination of p- some division of power, but for the Vikings it's a center. As far as I know, um, when you're a center and you see y- your job is to count the threats on each side of the ball and then decide if you're going to adjust whatever protection is called. So some play calls don't have protection adjustments available to them. For example a keeper right so bootleg to the left faking a run to the right you can't really adjust that protection right because you're you're doing a play action fake um but then there are some that are just straight dropbacks where you can adjust the protection and so your job is to sort of count up all of the threats on either say there's four four uh threats on that side and four threats on that on the other side and then you sort of determine which side is more threatening or do i just kind of see that as even steven and i'll just kind of leave things as they are uh or what flores is doing is basically manipulating that rule set so he is going to show an overload on one side of the field um and then by using not necessarily like the way Zimmer would do it is he would have, you know, two guys simulate a pressure on the right side and then those guys would back off and two other guys would come from the left side. So you would see two guys threatening pressure on the right side. You'd slide the protection over that way. And then on the left side, two guys would come on the side. You just slid the protection away from, and there's some of that, but the way Flores does it is more of, um, you, you get the numbers back in your, into, uh, your advantage by kind of the same way the offense does it, which is by pulling people, but it's looping. Um, so you would have somebody let's say Dean Lowry lines up on the, or I'm trying to think, I think it was a Tomo. They got one on the twos this way um, with Tomowo lining up on the right side of the, of the field, but then rushing the left side of the field while two guys would crash from left to right in front of him. I think they call that Ram. Um, and that creates an unblocked pressure uh just because of the way that it it reshapes the numbers so the point here is you're luring a certain protection call right um when two guys crash to one side that's going to change the way that that side of the offensive line behaves and then you have another guy come in behind them to essentially attack that gap that should be widened um there is method to the madness i guess is what i want to say and so my question becomes, all right, is that just the offensive line being in preseason camp mode and calling things chalk and getting beat? Um, because, you know, they don't have any of the fancy counter Like there are things that you can do in a protection that counter these strategies. And that's part of the job of the center and the offensive line coach throughout the week is figuring out. All right, if we see that look, what kind of adjustment do we call to try to overcome what uh, the defense is doing? maybe we don't have, we're not really doing that in the night practice and, you know, August 3rd, um, that's perfectly understandable. Or is it our protection calls were totally discombobulated and we had a really hard time communicating tonight? That's a bigger problem, right? So that's the question that I have is what was the cause here? Um, there was a problem in on for the offense in that lots of guys were in the backfield that are supposed to be in the backfield in purple jerseys. We're not supposed to see those guys back here. Diagnosing the problem is the first step towards solving it, right? And that, how concerned I am sort of depends on the answer to that question. And the frustrating thing is, I'm never going to get the answer to that question. So we just have to kind of see if it improves or not. But it's something to watch or... Maybe it is just that Flores' blitzes are really, really hard to counter and all the other offensive lines that they're going to go up against, they're going to come up against the same problem and they're all going to get killed and the Vikings will just live in the backfield a lot. Maybe that's where we're at and the Vikings offensive line is actually fine compared to everybody else in the league and he's going to kill everybody. I don't know. Maybe I want to live in a world where I believe that for a little bit and you can't stop me. <laughs> but I, I, at a certain point, I just started thinking like, oh my goodness, you know, let the offense practice. Um, but what was interesting was, you know, the offense, I mean, they're not going to shut down the rep on a sack. The, you know, Harrison Smith runs into the backfield. He taps Kirk Cousins on the shoulder, but he's not going to actually hit him or influence him at all. It just says, yep, gotcha. And then the play moves on as, as intended so that the offense can still get their rep in. And, uh, once that had happened, you got a lot of these one-on-ones. This really played out kind of exactly how we've been talking about it. Um, you have all these one on you, Justin Jefferson one on one with Makai Blackman. And that went how you would think, right? Justin Jefferson smokes Makai Blackman, gets a ton of separation, and gets this big long catch and everybody's ooing and eyeing. When reality that was a sack, that didn't count. And then, you know, they go and they they line it up for they say, Okay, that was now it's second down and we have to try again. But you kind of see that, okay. If they do pick, if if let's say they had picked up this blitz and it weren't a sack, you would have been in this really disadvantageous position with Makai Blackman one on one against a guy he can't quite handle. Um, Somebody asked, you know, is he doing the backpedal thing yet? And I, I haven't really seen him change his footwork a lot. I think they're just putting him in as is, which when I broke down Makai Blackman on Patreon was actually my worst case scenario for him was where he's just going to play. And he's not going to incubate, he's not going to learn new things, and he didn't learn new things fast. They just are okay with the corner that he is as is. And I don't think I'm okay with the corner that he is as is, so I sort of disagree with them there. But hey, it's up to them, not me. So, you know, all I'm doing is howling into the wind. Um, But I think on the whole, it t- sort of tells you this is going to be the shape of the season. If you picked up the Blitz, you get to win. You get to have a one, all the one-on-ones that you want. You get your great matchup, and whoever's good on your team gets to probably be up against a guy that he's outmatching. Um, if you don't pick up the blitz, if you aren't good at those blitz counters, your offense can be tip-to-tail Hall of Famers. It will not matter. If you can't pick up the blitz, if you can't get yourself schematically set up, then um, we're just going to have Jay Ward unblocked in your backfield, and I don't really care how good you think Jay Ward is. He's coming at your quarterback. It's the way the Vikings season is going to go and it's going to make every single team a totally weird pack. We are going to be the weirdest game everybody plays. <laughs> and that kind of rocks. Um I want to talk a little bit about some of the people too. Uh the O-line maybe being in trouble and all that. Uh we already kind of talked about so maybe I'll just do some some generic camp notes, you know. Um, before I do that though, it is fantasy draft season. It is August. You probably are all doing your redraft things. Maybe some people wait till after the preseason, but most people are going to start doing their redraft stuff. And Hey, if you want to do a little bit of prep and get ready, how about you go to underdog fantasy, uh, underdog fantasy has their new best ball, um, tournament or their recurring best ball tournament. It's one live snake draft. And then no waivers, no trades, no nothing. Underdog sets your lineup as in best ball style every single week. Um, So try it out with Underdog's best ball mania tournament. The largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and it's bigger. They've got $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including a completely ridiculous $3 million going to the winner. And Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so you're already behind the curve. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code LOCKEDON to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code LOCKEDON. Recap night practice recap episode of the locked on Vikings podcast. There are a couple of questions that, you know, you always get every day, every day and it's all right. Who are the standouts? Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Right. So let's do some of that. Uh, For me, two standouts, Ivan Pace and Brian Asamoah. The linebackers really, really, really showed out. Um, We'll also do some position battle movement today. Uh, But what was interesting to me uh, there, you're going to hear a lot about, Ooh, Ivan Pace got reps with the ones. So did Troy die. And, Pace, Die, Asamoah, Hicks—those are your linebackers. Pretty much, that's set and pretty solid right now. And I think um, we're sort of at a point in camp where this stuff starts to like really metastasize, um, and it's gonna start to be okay. This is how it looks in the preseason, and it's gonna start to take some really extreme stuff, either like injuries or really extreme preseason performances, to sort of change how the roster is is looking like it's going to be constructed pace is making this team and is is what i'm getting at here and he looked super super sick uh he was flying around the field getting in on on his fair share of all of those really sexy flores blitzes uh and making plays in coverage he got one rep with the with the ones and he kind of widened out too much. Let them JJ got a, a dig over in, in like the window that he kind of vacated and um, he came back later and, and made a better play, made a good pass breakup and played well in one on ones. But what I think with pace, what I noticed that really was encouraging to me was actually in the seven on seven portion of practice um where he was responding to some of the motions that the Vikings offense did in 7 on 7. So they had, you know, their their 22 personnel or their 21 personnel actually I think it was with, you know, Tight End and CJ Ham was there and he did that little shuffle motion across the formation. I've been calling that sift that's wrong. Uh I, I my vocabulary is still I'm I'm getting it down y'all, <laughs> I promise, but I'm sure if you're uh, learning alongside me, which I hope you're trying to at least, you're probably struggling just as much cuz it's hard stuff. Um, but they, you know, that the shuffle motion—they start with an offset eye to the left, and he kind of shuffles. Now it's an offset eye to the right. Um, and that motion was then, you know, they run their—it was like a red zone seven-on-seven seven period, so they were on their route concept. But as that motion happened, Ivan Pace was the one turning around and telling Harrison Smith, giving him a signal, and doing whatever adjustment that they were going to do there. And then he turned around the corner and gave him a signal, and it was actually Ivan Pace, undrafted rookie, who was actually giving out all of those signals signals now that's the linebackers job That's a positional thing not a oh he's the captain trust we're gonna have him do the cerebral part of the game. yeah that's just the linebackers job because of proximity he's in the middle so he can talk to everybody but it was really encouraging to see him do that and then do it correctly the, the nobody was confused everybody got to the place that they were supposed to get to in coverage and it then it became about matchups and winning yours um i love seeing that from ivan pace the other guy that really blew up to me was Brian Asuma. Um, I remember going through and it. And I think I did this when I talked about him in the, the couple of snaps. I think I talked about him after the Giants game. I did a Patreon video that he was still sort of guessing gaps. Um, and what I mean by that is he was still not really reading the play and going and filling and and doing an assignment he was just kind of saying that one looks right and shooting it um and you can do that you can shoot the gap you know they'll tell you hey if you can get it go um and you know screw the play call and all this stuff if you see a hole and you see a way to go get the tackle go get the tackle you can break those rules in the NFL in college they're a little bit more strict about that but in the NFL hey read react go be a go be a playmaker um and he would just kind of do that every time there would never be the time where he would like actually go be in this. I'm not literally never, but, you know, he would very often do that. often um, than he should. And so. Seeing him today, he was still doing that, but he was like right all the time. And that's scary. That's the kind of thing that makes you a really good linebacker. Um, In particular against outside runs, which, you know, you're going to see a lot of that against the Vikings and you're going to see a lot of this Kyle Shanahan, Josh Oliver lead blocking with with CJ Ham. They're doing all that stuff, you know, a lot of a lot of force, a lot of um, outside zone strong and stuff with lead blockers and motions and stuff trying to confuse exactly Brian Asamoah. And he was reading it correctly a lot. He was always in the position and he would get there very fast. I, I spoke about Troy die a few years ago when we were kind of monitoring his development. And I think he's kind of hit. He's the guy that he is. He's a special teamer. And if he's in at linebacker, he probably had a lot of injuries. And I remember he was, when he started it, you know, it was, you, you, you start out and this is any athletics ever. Tons of athletes have been like, yep, that's a, that's kind of the way or, or described it the same way you start out fast or slow and wrong. You're, you're reading, you're behind everything, you, you can't read the plays right, and then eventually you figure out how to get slow and right, right? You learn the things, but you're still not fast at reading. And then you get fast and wrong, where you start to play a little bit faster and you get a little bit more confident, but you still aren't thinking that fast, and so you suddenly become confidently wrong. And it can look like a regression, because playing yourself quickly out of position can look worse than getting to the right place but just a half a beat late. But that's sort of this next step in the in the thing in, in your development. And then you get fast and right. And some people don't go through all four of those steps. Some people kind of get stuck in one. Uh, Brian Asimov looks fast and right. That should make your heart skip a beat. That's sh- that's real exciting. He's fast and right. Uh, and not to mention all the things that have been said about his leadership and stuff. So those two linebackers really, really, really showed out to me. Those are the winners of camp um i i I, brandon powell again man (laughs) he looks really really dope he's uh it wasn't quite as explosive of a day it wasn't like the traits that i saw were not as he, he didn't like catch my eye as much as he did before but um that he still did very well he still got he was very involved. Right. And there were a lot of catches in traffic and stuff. He did have a little bit of a hiccup. He had one um, sort of scary injury moment where not scary. He he came down kind of hard and he was like limping um, and grabbing his ankle and they were working on him a little bit. And he sort of walked around a little bit. He lined up to to actually get back into that drill but then the horn went off and the drill was over and he did end up getting back in and in, in teamwork. So I assume that he's just fine, but it's something to watch because sometimes you kind of grit it out with the adrenaline of the day and you wake up the next day and it's, you know, swollen like it's an elephant and you go, okay, well coach, maybe I can't practice today, but they do all have the day off um, on, on Friday. So that should help uh, for those of you who were wondering, Alexander Madison was a full participant. So there's that there's this weird Hawkinson thing. I'll get to that. Let me get to some of the other like odds and ends too. Uh, and, and we'll sort of transition into, um, this sort of smattering of random stuff part of the show.
1: (laughs) Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So, moving on with uh, this episode of the Locked On Vikings Podcast. Um, I guess let's start with the Hawkinson thing. People are going to start talking about that. So, when the Vikings were in team... It, the way it works is you've got your 11 on 11 happening, usually on like one half of the field. And then the entire team is sort of lined up behind them just watching. And behind that, totally off in his own world with like two coaches was TJ Hawkinson working on various little routes, working on exploding out of three point stances, just sort of drilling stuff. Um, I don't think that's an injury. And the reason I don't think that's an injury is because everybody who was actually injured, even those who were mildly injured, uh, were they were all standing there or, you know, guys that weren't dressed for the day. Chris Reed, uh, Andre Carter, all of those guys were standing there in street clothes at at least or even Brian O'Neill, who did come out in full pads and did some of the individual stuff, but didn't work uh, with with team, um, which is a super, super encouraging sign for him, by the way. But he they were still watching the team. practice. TJ Hawkinson was off doing his own thing um, and he wasn't called and he didn't do any of the work with team. So what's up with that? I, I can't wait to hear the next time a coach gets on the podium. I'm, I'm hoping somebody asks. My guess is that there is some kind of so- you know what? I'm not even going to say I was going to say like soft hold in, but I'm not even going to say that some I, I, my guess is that that's a contract thing. TJ Hawkinson, it's no, uh, no no secret, is up for a new extension, so um, he's perhaps not doing some of the more physical team work. And this was always going to be a physical practice. It seems like Kevin Seifert sort of speculated on this and totally nailed it. But look, they had a walkthrough on Thursday and they didn't have practice on Saturday, so they were going to go pretty hard. I think they they set themselves up to be able to go pretty hard on on the Thursday practice. So. I wouldn't be surprised if you said, hey, this extra physical practice, TJ, why don't you sit this one out? Or maybe TJ saying, I think I kind of want to maybe hold in for this one or I want to kind of maybe I don't necessarily need to to put myself at that much risk when I'm on the cusp of a big payday, which I think is fully understandable. And if I'm being honest, I would rather JJ be with him um, for the same exact reasons. But I don't know if you can possibly get Justin Jefferson to do like I'm not going to be the one to ask him to do that. somebody else can but it also just didn't look like he was doing rehab activities you know you're not doing resistance training they weren't doing stretches they weren't doing um you know any physical therapy looking stuff he was like running full routes and he was drilling things so he was kind of just doing his own work that's my guess i don't know maybe they come out and say oh yeah no he had an ankle thing and this is the timeline for it or whatever but I, I wouldn't be shocked or anything like that. But my guess is that it's not injury because it didn't look like any of the other guys. Everybody's injured. Lots of guys are injured. D.J. Hawkinson was doing something different than all those guys. Anyways, so there's that. So let's look at some position battle movement. There's a couple things that I really wanted to look at um, for checking in on some position battles for one punt return battle. I think Brandon Powell might be winning that as well. Uh, But both Powell and Rager, I think, caught all their punts. Uh, so did Jordan Addison. Those are the three guys for the punt return battle. But in terms of the receiver battle, Jalen Rager had a drop in the 1v1s. Brandon Powell had a great day, except he got twisted up somehow. Also, Blake Pearl went down for a second after a really great catch in the back of the end zone. Um, he was down pretty hard. He was looking at his, his leg. Uh, it, it looks like some kind of lower body injury. I'm going to be honest, that looked a little bit like Bell's rung. <laughs> and, and he was fine later he he got back out there I think he got back out there uh, correct me if I'm wrong but it it didn't look like a serious one it looked like something very painful but perhaps not a pain that lasts a long time or prevents you from practicing in the future if you know what I mean uh, it pre- prevents you from doing something in the future <laughs> that would be such a great segue into a different kind of ad read. but that's not what we're doing right now um anyways so that's that's one of the battles i i still think powell is sort of running away from rager in that one although rager is still snapping above powell rager got in with the ones and they gave jordan addison a rep off and uh, after a, a particularly deep route they put rager in not powell um that might be Naylor when he comes back he's still hurt So while I think Powell is playing better than Rager, that is not yet reflected in the depth chart. So the Vikings might disagree with me. I might just be straight wrong um, or the depth chart just hasn't updated to reflect that yet because they don't really do that like on a rolling basis every single day or anything like that. Um, Johnny Munt and Nick Muse. I thought Nick Muse had kind of a rough one. I think he had a drop. He lost some blocks. And I thought Johnny Munt outplayed him pretty handily. If every day is like that, then it's Johnny Munt and Nick Muse is probably going to be back on the practice squad again. Um, Pretty cut and dry. Ty Chandler. Definitely a better back than D. McBride right now. Um, A lot shiftier, reading things a lot faster. I think Ty Chandler looks like. If you're listening for the fantasy angle and you want to know who who should I stash, you know, in round 16 that might break out or if you're doing the dynasty thing and, hey, I've got a 10th round pick in my rookie draft and I got to, you know, nobody's there and I'm just looking at who's randomly on the waivers or whatever. uh, Ty Chandler is probably the guy that has the best chance to be the random surprise really great waiver wire pickup in the middle of the season because Alexander Madison went down and he came in and he actually did so well that he's going to become the starter. Like if that, if we see three line this year, it's Chandler is the guy that will be the subject of it. I'm trying to think of other position battle things. Um, I, I don't need to give you the update on the safety. It's all the same every day. We have four guys. They're all doing fine. Uh, the backup quarterbacks both struggled. I thought, um both of them had a lot had the case of the salesies. They both sailed a lot of passes way too high. Um I I think Mullins did more of them than Hall, but they both had their fair share. Hall had a couple of really cool dimes, though. I guess I would give the day to Hall if I had to give it to anybody, but I I don't know. I, I think you don't have to give it to one of them. I think you can just say both of you did bad, do better next time. Oh, there was the kicker battle. Um Pod Lesney came out. By the way, he's winning 46. He's a kicker wearing 46. We got to do something about that. Um, he made all of his kicks. None of them had any drama to them whatsoever. They were all straight down the middle, as perfect as perfect can be. And then Greg Joseph melted. <laughs> he had a rough one. He sailed one f- from around 40. I don't think quite 40, something in the 30s. He sailed wide to the left. He kicked a 45 or a 50 yarder short. He kicked a 55 yarder short uh and and no it was a 55 yarder that came up short and then he moved back to 60 and then that one came up short and then he tried again from 60 and he hit that so he went like three for six on the day really 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 bad night practice three for six is rough uh you you should you know you you're allowed to maybe miss one he missed three that's not good even from the long distances that's not good. Um, Podlesny didn't go as deep as Joseph, but he did make like a 50 yarder. So it's not like he, he only made chip shots or anything like that. That's that. I'm um, trying to think about in the trenches. Uh, Luigi Villan actually got in with the ones a little bit, made a little bit of noise. So I think he might be kind of pushing his way up into that DJ one and Patrick Jones rotation. Daniil Hunter, he was out there. He didn't do any teamwork again. Um, Marcus Davenport was out there, not dressed, didn't do anything. Mystery injury. I don't really know what the deal is with that. Um, so you've got Wanam and Patrick Jones right now filling in, and Luigi Villan rotated in a little bit there. So I, I don't really know what to make of that. But there was a lot of like weird rotation, like the linebackers, all like Troy Die, Ivan Pace, all did some work with the ones, and and the way it turned out was you had Asomua and uh, Troy Die, I believe. Yeah, they were on the field, and they would be a pair. And then Jordan Hicks and Ivan Pace would be a pair, and they just switched those two pairs. So you kind of had this time, and you had Asamoah then taking reps with the twos. Jordan Hicks didn't take reps with the twos. I think he just gave him those reps off, and you just gave more reps to Ivan Pace. Uh, But either way, or uh, more reps to Troy Dye or whatever, right? But either way, it was like this really weird rotation where it didn't really feel like there were anybody on the first or the second team, it's just here's four linebackers. Uh, you also had a lot of weird rotation. You had Theo Jackson come in with the ones at one point you had. um, I saw Kyrie's Tonga in with the twos. I think they just mix and match a little bit more on defense. So sometimes the ooh, some so-and-so took reps with the ones isn't particularly meaningful unless it keeps that way, right? Um, so the linebackers have done it like that for a couple days now, but like Makai Blackman is your CB three right now. Like he's taken over Joe Williams, who I thought Joe Williams had a rough day. He got beat kind of by everybody once, at least once. There was one that I tweeted about that was that I thought was him and it was not. I just, I, it was Jay Ward and I got a 20 mixed up with 29. My bad. It was on the other side of the field and I just saw it wrong, but. Uh, he got Jordan Addison got him another time. He got got by Brandon Powell once. He got caught by Jefferson a couple times, which I mean, who doesn't don't hold I don't hold that against you too much. got got by KJ. Uh, Joe Juan Williams had a rough one, I think if you want to look for like losers of the day, Joe Joe one Williams and say like Nick Muse, um not necessarily Dwayne Mcbride. McBride did fine. It's just that I think Chandler's kind of proving all right, yeah, no, i'm I'm not giving up this R b two job to the rookie at all. I think he's sort of holding his ground there and he's gaining ground on Kenny Wangwu who's supposed to be competing with him but wasn't able to play. So, yeah, Wangwu's probably a loser of the day too just by virtue of the guy you're competing with had a good one and you couldn't get out there. Sucks. Um, oh, also, the Vikings signed a bunch of people. I should probably mention that. Uh maybe I'll do, get into those guys next week, but they switched out a couple of tackles. Um They got a guy named Jared Williams. Oh, I think I talked about him before. He was like a or no, he was he was today. Uh, Yeah, they signed Jared Williams. He was like a seven year guy. They also got Abram Smith or a seven seven year college player. He played seven years college football. Uh, He has been and he was an undrafted free agent last year and bounced around a bunch of practice squads. And then um, Abram Smith, that is uh, the leading rusher from the XFL on the D.C. Defenders. Um, maybe I can find out more interesting stuff about those guys if you guys really want, but I'll probably just be recapping in the next practice that I go to. I'm going to be, uh, chill out for the weekend a little bit. Hope you all have a great weekend. I'll talk to you again on Monday, maybe Sunday, because I am going to a Saturday practice. So maybe I'll just want to talk to you right after it, or maybe I'll just save that for Sunday. Either way, um, we'll, we'll catch up by, well, by Monday, we will have caught up. So I'll see you all for that. And as always, skull.